I'm sorry, Acts chapter 12 and verse 18. Acts chapter 12, verse 18. God is sovereign over sickness. We've seen uh, God answer prayer in this church a number of times and heal people. A few times when the doctor said there was no help or hope, uh, God has healed. And even years later, uh, those people are still here. And, uh, uh, and what, a, what a wonderful thing to have a God who can overcome those things. Uh, I've seen God deal with, uh, with the problems in, in churches. I've seen God... Uh, handle the issues in government even uh, as, as we intercede, as we pray. Uh, prayer is a mighty powerful thing that can change things because our God is a mighty, awesome, sovereign God, and He is able. And we need to remember who He is and the greatness of who He is. Uh, in those times where we go through struggles, He is still sovereign. Uh, the scripture we're going to look at today uh, Peter has escaped from prison, uh, and God is still working in the aftermath of that. And we're going to pick up uh, and, and see how God ends up dealing with the ongoing problems of persecution for God's people uh, in this scripture. And so look with me. Uh, my title of my message is God's Sovereignty Over Trouble. And look with me in verse 18. We'll read this scripture. It says, at daylight, there was a great commotion among the soldiers as to what had become of Peter. After Herod searched and did not find him, he interrogated the guards and ordered their execution. Then Herod went down from Judea to Caesarea and stayed there. Herod had been very angry with the people of Tyre and Sidon. Together, they presented themselves before him. After winning over Blastus, who was in charge of the king's bedroom, they asked for peace because their country was supplied with food from the king's country. On an appointed day, dressed in royal robes and seated on the throne, Herod delivered a speech to them. The assembled people began to shout, It's the voice of a god and not of a man. At once an angel of the Lord struck him because he did not give glory to God. He was eaten by worms and died. But the word of God flourished and multiplied. After they had completed their relief mission, Barnabas and Saul returned to Jerusalem, taking along John, who was called Mark. So God's sovereignty over trouble. How does God reveal his sovereignty over trouble? Well, first of all, we see that he removes enemies. He removes enemies. If you look in verse 19, it says, Then Herod went down from Judea to Caesarea and stayed there. Uh, Herod had been persecuting the church of God. He had killed James. He had persecuted others. He had arrested Peter. But now, uh, after Peter's uh, escape by the hand of an angel, Herod is disgraced to some degree, and he leaves Judea, and he goes to Caesarea, and guess what? He's not around to persecute the church of God. <laughs> God can remove enemies. Did you know sometimes the removal of enemies can be a great blessing? Um, listen, I, I believe um, that uh, God's church is a place where there should be love and there should be harmony and so forth. 
But occasionally there is an enemy of the church of God that comes to church. Uh, and if they won't respond to and won't repent of sin and they won't, they won't respond to the body of Christ, sometimes God will remove them. Uh, and I, I've seen this in the past in, in a couple of my churches, but I've also seen this happen in, in the ministries of others that I know. Uh, as God has worked and moved. And I, I can remember even uh, growing up seeing that happen in some of the churches that my dad pastored. God is able to remove enemies to his purpose. Uh, can I tell you something? God can remove enemies to the gospel in powerful positions in our country. Uh, we need to pray that God will put in to power people that honor the word of God and fear God and uh, make decisions that uh, are in accordance with God's will rather than the, the uh, agendas of wickedness that often are in our halls of power in our country. Um, God is able to remove enemies. But let me, let me tell you, God can remove spiritual enemies too. Uh, Satan uh, is the enemy of our souls. We, we were talking about uh, Satan's hindering work in, in Sunday school this morning. Uh, and about how we can pray, and, and God often will overcome uh, that hindering work of Satan in our lives. And if he doesn't, uh, if he allows it for a season, he uses it for our good. Isn't that a wonderful thing? But God can remove these, these enemies of God. Uh, you may have, I, we've had, had this happen a number of times um, in, in homes of people, they'll have a, a, a negative spiritual experience and uh, maybe a demonic issue or something like that. And we'll go in and we'll pray over that home and uh, the demons are gone. And uh, one, one person said, hey, you know, uh, my daughter had the first restful night's sleep she's had in months. Uh, you know, God is, God is still sovereign. Uh, he is still able to work and to move in the situations of our lives. So, uh, how does God show uh, His sovereignty? Well, He removes enemies. Secondly, He limits times of trouble. He limits times of trouble. Look at verse 21. On an appointed day, dressed in royal robes, and seated on the throne, Herod delivered a speech to them. So it was his appointed day. Blastus appointed a day for Herod to speak. But I'm going to tell you something. There was somebody else making this appointment. God appointed a day. Can I tell you something? God can set limits to times of trouble. One scripture says, Weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. Uh, I love what the psalmist says. He lifted me out of the miry pit, and he set my feet upon a rock. He put a song of praise in my heart to praise his name. What an amazing God we serve. He limits times of trouble. Now, sometimes the trouble may be long. Sometimes the trouble may go on for a season of time. Um, Job had extended trouble in his life. But there was a limit to that time of trouble. And Satan couldn't be uh, afflict Job one day longer than God permitted him to do so. And through his work, 
in Job's life, God accomplished a purpose. And Job said, Lord, I had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. You see, God brought him to a new level in his relationship with God through the trial that was going on in his life. But God limits those times. Can I tell you something? The greatest limitation, one day God's going to lean over to his son and say, go get your bride. And the dead in Christ are going to rise first. We, your alive and remain, will be caught up together with them to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Can I tell you, the trouble of this life is limited. And one day Jesus is coming. Uh, and the troubles in your life individually are limited as well under the sovereignty of Almighty God. He limits times of trouble. We see this. In Scripture, in a number of places. Uh, can I tell you something? Uh, one person said, one of my favorite verses in the Bible is, and it came to pass. <laughs> because everything comes to pass, right? Uh, but listen, uh, there have been times of great trial in church history. Uh, I think of the Caesars that persecuted the church. And those Caesars now lie in the dust of history. And the church continues on. Um, Herod, uh, Herod's time was limited in our scripture today. Um, Hitler, uh, his time was limited, right? He, he committed suicide in a bunker. God limited his oppression of the Jewish people. Uh, God is, is sovereign over the things of this world and over the leaders of this world. And he limits times of trouble. So praise his name for that. So God's sovereignty over trouble. How does, how does God reveal it? He removes enemies. He limits times of trouble. He reminds us of who he is. I love this. He reminds us of who he is. Look at verse 23. At once, the angel of the Lord, uh, an angel of the Lord struck him because he did not give glory to God. And he was eaten by worms and died. Now, uh, we know uh, from Josephus, he, a historian, that Herod came out on this day. He was wearing a, an outfit made entirely of silver. Uh, and it shone in the sunlight and it was brilliant. And, uh, and the people began to cry out and, and uh, say, this is the voice of a God and not a man. And Herod took that in and, and stride and, and didn't give glory to God. And that was the last straw. And God struck him dead through his angel. God didn't even have to strike him dead. God just sent his messenger to strike him dead, right? Uh, God sent an angelic messenger. Can I tell you something? The power of God is so much greater than any human ruler. The power of God is greater than nature itself. Jesus can calm the waves with a word. Jesus can raise the dead. You see, even death itself. The demons tremble before him. How great he is. And occasionally, God just gives us a glimpse of who he is. He reminds us of who he is. Maybe it's an answered prayer that comes along uh, that uh, we, we, maybe we don't expect. Maybe we've been praying for some time and God answers. Uh, perhaps it is the change in a circumstance that and, and God shows, hey, I have been in control and I have worked in this situation. And he shows us through that change of circumstance. Other times, uh, he may 
end up coming against an enemy as he does here. But God reminds us of who he is. You remember uh, the story of Hezekiah, and Hezekiah's got, he's got all of the Assyrian army. They've come through Judah. They've destroyed the northern kingdom. They've come through Judah, and they've destroyed all the towns of Judah. Now they're besieging Jerusalem, and they're cursing God. They're saying, hey, your God's not going to deliver you. We've, we've overcome all these other nations, and we've overcome their gods, and we'll overcome your God. And Hezekiah unrolls the note the Rabshakeh sends to him, and uh, he says, Lord, see what your enemies are saying about you, and uh, intervene and deliver us, Lord. And God answers and sends, again, sends a messenger who kills 180,000 uh, Assyrians um, in, in one night. Uh, it's, what an amazing thing. God is able to intervene. He is able to work and to move, and he reminds us of who he is. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted in the earth. Uh, and uh, so he, God, uh, how does he reveal his sovereignty to us? He removes enemies. He limits times of trouble. He reminds us of who he is. He anoints his word. Look at verse 24. But the word of God languished and was hindered. Is that what it says? No. Well, I thought Herod was persecuting the church. I thought James had been killed. I thought Peter had been arrested. I thought others had been persecuted. What do you mean? The word of God flourished and multiplied? How can this be in this circumstance in which they find themselves? I like what Adrian Rogers said. He, he was talking about Elijah. Why did, why did Elijah put water on the altar when he was calling for fire from heaven? He said because he wanted them to know that they serve a God that could burn wet wood. <laughs> Isn't that good? Listen, I want to tell you something. God can, can multiply his word. He can bring an anointing upon his word even in the midst of persecution and trouble. I like what Jesus said to Peter, he said, on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. You see, God anoints his word in the midst of it all. Listen, you don't have to have a perfect situation to share the gospel. You, you don't have to have a person's heart exactly the way you think it needs to be before you share Jesus with them. The gospel has a power in it of its own, and the Spirit of God can take the Word of God and apply it to a person's heart, even when they're not receptive. I remember I was watching a, a street evangelist uh, uh, on, on uh, television, and he was sharing in a, in a crowd of people um, on the street. He was sharing the gospel, and this man was saying, no, that's wrong. No, that's wrong. And he was being very... Um, antagonistic and threatening in, in, in the situation. Um, that, that episode passed, and uh, uh, months later, they're down working in that same area on the street, and who should come up? They see a man carrying a Bible and preaching, 
And it's this man that was antagonistic to them. God got a hold of his heart. God began to convict his heart and his mind. The words that had been shared stayed with him after the episode was over. And he was under such conviction, he ultimately gave his heart to Christ. And was now sharing the word. That's the God that we serve. He anoints his word. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. If somebody changes in this church or if a soul is saved in this church, it's not because I'm something special. It's because my God is something special and his word is something special. And there's a power in it. And God changes life. He's still in the life-changing business. And it doesn't matter what's going on in the culture. It doesn't matter how dark this world may get. God is still God. He is still sovereign. His word is still unchanging and is still powerful and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. And it still can go forth in the power of the Holy Spirit. If God could change people then, God can change people now. His word is still going forth in anointing and power. God shows his sovereignty over trouble by anointing his word in the midst of trouble. So, God, how does God show his sovereignty over trouble? Well, uh, he, he removes enemies. He limits times of trouble. He reminds us of who he is. He anoints his word. He continues his work. Look at verse 25. After they completed their relief mission, Barnabas and Saul returned to Jerusalem, taking along John, who was also called Mark. Um, he continued his work. God was still working, even though they were experiencing trouble. If you go through a time of difficulty, I've had this happen a number of times in my life, where um, I was going through a time of struggle, and, and the, the church uh, was going through a time of trouble uh, in the past where I've been. And uh, I would go, I'd go on vacation or something. I'd go to another church, I'd be in another town, and, uh, and I would see God working and moving. And it would encourage me. It's like God was saying, look, I've not quit working. Yeah, I know you've got some trouble, but I'm still God. I'm still sovereign. I'm still working in this world. Uh, sometimes we lose perspective, don't we? In the midst of our trouble, in the midst of, the, uh, of, of opposition, or in the midst of of problems we we see like Peter we're looking at the waves and we're seeing the waves and we're seeing the wind and we get our eyes off Jesus and God reminds us I'm still working I'm still God I'm still the same I always have been I'm still sovereign while all this is going on while the church is in such distress God is still working through Barnabas Saul and John Mark right while this is going on, God's working at another place. Can I tell you something? God's working on the other side of the world right now. <laughs> He's working in other states and other cities in, in our state. He's working in other churches. Did you know God doesn't just work at South Clinton Baptist Church? He works in all kinds of churches. God, it, God is working. He is moving. And there are seasons, oftentimes there are seasons in our work. Uh, what does is, what is, uh, Paul tell us in Corinthians? He says, he says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. You see, there's seasons of time in ministry. Sometimes there's a seed planting season. Sometimes there's a watering season. But sometimes, oh, I love this, there's a harvest season. Isn't that great? That's fun. 
I've had some harvest seasons in ministry before, but I've had a lot of planting and watering seasons too. But all those seasons are important. And sometimes in the planting and watering season, we forget that God is still working. You may not be having a harvest season in your own life, but there may be somebody over here who's having a harvest season. And God reminds us uh, that he is still sovereign. He's still working as we see what he's doing in the lives of others. Now, God work, God's working in our situation, too, when we go through those planting and watering seasons. Uh, but his work is not as visible, right? Uh, when I was a mechanic, I'd fix something. I could see exactly what I'd fix. I, I could tell I could tell that there's a sense of satisfaction. I've got this accomplished. A lot of times that's not the case as a pastor. I don't see what God's doing in your heart because I can't see your heart. God sees it, but I don't see it, right? So there may be planting, there may be watering, and, and I may not know what God's doing in your life, but one day as we persist in the work of God, the time of harvest comes, and we begin to see the change in a person's life. So if you're discouraged, if, you're, if you have been persevering in serving God and you've just kind of gone through the season of discouragement, let me encourage you. I don't know where you are in God's process, but listen, uh, I know that God uses his people as we step out in faith and follow him. He's using us. He's working. What did Jesus say? My father is working and I too am working. <laughs> uh, he, he is still working. Uh, I, I remember one season, uh, we hadn't seen somebody saved in a while. A um, little boy comes up and tells his mother, uh, six months ago, he says, I want to be baptized. He said, he says uh, I've been kind of struggling with it. He said that uh, six months ago, I gave my heart to Christ during a message uh, in, in the church and uh, didn't tell anybody about it, but I want to be baptized. Uh, I, so we, was God working? Absolutely he was working. Did we see it? No. I think one of the, one of the neatest things about heaven is going to be seeing all the things we didn't know about and knowing how God worked when we didn't see it. Uh, that is going to be a wonderful, wonderful season of time. God is sovereign over our trouble. How does he reveal that? He removes enemies. He limits times of trouble. He reminds us of who he is. He anoints his word. He continues his work. God is still sovereign. He is still in charge. He's still working. Lift up your head. Trust the Lord in your circumstance. Keep serving God in the midst of your struggle and remember that the Lord is with you. And uh, I, I love what um, 1 Corinthians 15 says. Uh, uh, remember that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. As we serve him, ultimately we'll receive fruit. Um, if you don't know Jesus today, can I tell you something? Um, Jesus Christ loves you and wants you to be saved. Uh, he, he made a way for you to be saved, and by coming to this earth, he lived a perfect life that you and I couldn't live. Uh, he died on the cross in our place, took our punishment for our sin, and rose again. And the Bible says that if we'll choose to repent of our sin and put our trust in Jesus, that God will save our soul. He'll make us new on the inside, and he'll put us on his path.
If you want to live a life of purpose and meaning, it begins with a relationship with Jesus Christ. It continues as you trust him as a Christian and serving him. Um, but uh, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, I'm going to ask you here in just a moment to come forward. Uh, and by your coming forward, you're saying, I want to, to turn from my sin in my own way. I want to follow Jesus. I want to receive his forgiveness uh, in my life. And, uh, and I'll help you with a prayer here at the front. Or you can come to this altar and pray in your own words if you'd prefer to do that. And let the Lord know what you would like, like him to do in your life. Um, then uh, if you're a child of God, uh, maybe you just need to come to this altar. And in the midst of your trouble, you just need to say, Lord, I believe, Lord, help my unbelief. <laughs> uh, help me trust you, God, in the midst of my circumstance that I'm struggling with today. Um, whatever God's leading you to do, I want you to respond as he leads. And, and uh, if you're watching online, just call upon Jesus right where you are. Say, Jesus, I've sinned against you. I need you. Uh, I choose to turn from my sin in my own way. And I receive your forgiveness. I trust you. You said you'd forgive me if I'd call upon your name. And I'm trusting you. And I'm calling upon your name. To save my soul. And the Lord Jesus will do it. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, for speaking into our lives and reminding us of who you are. And the greatness of who you are. And the faithfulness uh, of your hand in our lives, God. And uh, Lord, just help us trust you. God, help us uh, rely upon you and in the circumstances of life. And Father, for those who are here today uh, that don't know Jesus, I pray that today would be the day that they would, would receive Jesus. If there's someone watching right now online, I pray that they would call upon you right now uh, and ask you to forgive them and, and choose to turn from their sin in their own way to follow you so that they could receive your eternal life. And I pray it in Jesus.